1 Peter, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 2. And I believe in our studies we've gotten down to 2 and through verse number 12. And we rehearsed, I know that last part, two different times <laughs> about folks seeing us and our conversation honest among the Gentiles. And then we also brought out the scripture in Matthew that they would see our good works and glorify God. And uh, again, you know, Brother Tim brought it out in the Sunday school, the blind man can't see, and the fact that, you know, they, one of the things that might cause them to start looking for the Savior is because they see Christ in us. The hope of glory, the Bible tells us. And so they see a difference in us. And they get to, they, something within them says, I don't have what they, don't, what they have. I don't have the joy that they have. I don't have the peace that I see them have in the midst of turmoil. And, and we have that. And, um, you know, um, because, <laughs> like this song earlier, I know whom I have believed and, he, and, and am persuaded that he is able to keep me. I keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And we're persuaded, we should be persuaded, but and that, that we're confident in that persuasion. And I think that, that says a whole lot uh, about, and that says a whole lot of difference in the maturity of a Christian, of the maturity of a saint too. Amen. The longer you're in this walk, the more confident you become, I believe, because of those trials and of those valleys in the experience of the grace of God, you understand that he's there. The more longer you're into this thing, the more confident you are that he, he will see you through. Like, uh, you know, the, the song that we rehearsed here a little while about the, um, you know, God taking us through and just committing committing uh, ourselves to uh, to him, and it's because you know when we first started out, we didn't believe, we didn't, we wasn't confident. But the longer we go in, the more confident we are. Because I've been through enough. I had to get it in my mind because, like the song says, I've been through enough to know that he'll be enough for me. <laughs> I've come through too many. He's come through too many times. That's it. He's come through too many times. And so, so to, to explain it to the young saint, they're like, you know, it's this way. And they're like, but then they experience it for themselves. And it, it really thrills my, my heart to see younger saints, especially couples new in the faith that go through some things. And to see them experience some things and step out on faith about some things and testify some things, how God worked in their life, answered private prayers. You know, you encourage, you encourage the folks to try, because throughout the Word of God, He talks about trying Him, to try Him, try Him in that fasting. And then they come to you and they said, I've tried and I experienced, so I see what you're talking about. And they give that understanding and or just taking, you know, when it says to, you know, to go in your closet and pray. And to pray privately, and he will reward thee openly. 
And when they get a hold of that scripture and you have that need, and I, many times, like, and I, I know I've, since I've been pastor here, you know, give the, give the um, example of just laying out some financial, you know, needs, some bills out before him. And, and it's just you and God that knows about it. Or you go to the refrigerator in the cupboard and there ain't much in there, but you got family to feed. And you go to God and tell him about it. And then he just lays it upon somebody's heart to drive into the driveway and bring you some groceries for no, no reason. It's, I was at the store and I thought that, you know, see, God just touched my heart to do this. And you say, well, I just, you know, you didn't sell him that, but you've been praying in the bedroom. He didn't know what your refrigerator looked like. He didn't know what your pantry looked like. And, you know, I've, I've been in, and in fact, I just was rem- reminded of, of an event that, that, you know, I was, it was after church, one, you know, paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> and after church one night, we went down, you know, you know how much you've got to spend because you're holding it in your hand. Till the next paycheck, and this is Sunday night, and you get paid Friday. <laughs> and what you're buying at the store Sunday night after church, you're like, this has got to get me till Friday. And then you're going through, almost with a calculator, you know, you're saying, all right, you know, I've got 20 bucks. I've got to squeeze whatever I can get in. You know, I can get a lot of ramen noodles. <laughs> and things like that. And, I, and I, I went, whatever I got that particular night, I, I knew what I had to have. I knew what it had to come under. I was going to have to put some things back. And then my brother-in-law, he happened to be in the store after church the same night. He comes in behind me and goes, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the register, watching them count up going, I know what I've got. <laughs> and then he says, he just looks at the... Not unbeknownst to what I'm going through, but he just looks at the clerk and says, I'll take care of his order. Just put all that on mine. He didn't know. Maybe the little Holy Spirit in his heart just gave him a little nudge to do that, but he didn't know. Now I've got (laughs) that $20 to get me through until Friday. And I got my groceries too. I'm glad we can be confident in that. And again, how that how I got off on that, how that we we build on each other, we support each other, we encourage each other, like we're supposed to be doing, like we read about as we go through these epistles, encouraging each lifting each other up in the faith. What a blessing that that is. Anyway, we got down to there. Okay, <laughs> that's where we're at. Verse number thirteen. Whew. All right, the next segment here. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. <clears throat> honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, 
not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when, he, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, then take it, or, uh, and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even, uh, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the word. I thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord just putting it, as, putting it together like you do in the hearts of each of the teachers and myself. And uh, Lord, uh, again, uh, building upon each other, uh, the word of God, and Lord, that we might be strengthened thereby. I pray and ask that you would guide and direct in the services uh, tonight, Lord, as I stand. Guide my words. I pray again, Lord, for Kara as she's soon to be delivered. Give grace to her. Pray, Lord, for uh, Jennifer tonight. Give grace and help, Lord. May this last just a short time, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I've highlighted... As, as I was going down through here, a couple of things just um, did pop off the page uh, there at the end. I've read it through the text several times and uh, just to kind of see and, and one thing or another. Uh, but submit yourselves, and again, it all kind of goes together even when it talks about the servants because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, deal with here in Peter as much as, because we've already rehearsed some of the same thoughts in, in Timothy when, when uh, Paul was writing to him, as far as the servants and the masters go. Uh, but submitting yourselves to every ordinance of man, and this is what stood out, for the Lord's sake. And I, had to, I looked up the word sake, because that just, you know, I mean, we use it, but do we really know what the definition is? And especially used it this way, for the Lord's sake. And there's two definitions. One, it says the final cause or the end or the purpose. So for the Lord's purpose, for the Lord's cause, you can do it that way. But then the second is, is an account or regard to any person or thing. I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. So as, as if we were given account to the Lord. We know that we will give an account to the Lord. And we know that the Lord puts up men and puts down men. He raises up leaders and he puts down leaders. You know, and, and when it gets to here, it says, uh, again, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or as unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And in Mr. Henry's commentary, Matthew Henry, he talked about governors you know, being put in because God does give, uh, uh, did establish some things. First, he established the home in the word of God. 
And then he established government in the Word of God. And then he established the church in the Word of God. And in, in government, you know, he, he puts leaders. And, of course, when Moses couldn't do all of it by himself <laughs> and was suffering because of it, he said, all right, you need to appoint yourself some captains. You know, and, and, and he gave a little hierarchy there and let, let these report to, let these many report to this one and let these many report to this one and, and kind of spread out your, uh, your leadership. And they gave a hierarchy even among the children of Israel. But these governors here, and Mr. Henry pointed out that to be a governor and as a governor to, to do it right and to rule well, that you should... Punish evildoers and praise them that do well. You know, giving a good, keeping a good equal balance, being a fair leader, and that's that's something that we can apply to leadership in our homes as as fathers, uh, leadership and in the community, in the in the business that we uh, that we may fall into as as employers, as supervisors, and things like that. Be fair, punish. And, and, and again, going back to even the raising of our children is, you know, don't just be on the one side, give praise all the time, praise them that do well, and don't praise them if they don't do well. That's the society that we live in today, you know, the participation trophy people. You know, I mean, everybody runs the race. It used to be first, second, third, gets the gold, silver, and bronze, and that still is, I guess, there in the Olympics, but how politicized even the Olympics has gotten these days. It's pitiful. You know, now they just, you know, they want to, you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And then I ain't even going to get in on the, the sports news that's going around in women's sports. What a mess, what a mess that we're in. And it, woman of the year. I mean, the world we live in today, and even Bruce Jenner, and I'm going to call him Bruce, and I'm going to call him him. He's even speaking against the the one mess up in Pennsylvania, because he knows better. God help me. I'm telling you. Anyway, I don't go off on that, but governors... Ruling properly will punish evildoers and, and, and the proper punishment. Again, not over-punishing. You know, a good, a just, the Bible talks about a just judge. Judging righteously and, and justly and, 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 and giving out the proper punishment to the proper crime and giving the proper praise to the proper uh, good that's done. But anyway, it's talking to us, submit yourselves. Again, we're talking to the elect. According to the foreknowledge of God, these the one these strangers are scattered, the elect strangers. He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. In other words, you're going to give an account to the Lord for how you submit to the precepts out here and the ordinances that's out here. Whether it be to the king as supreme or as unto governors. Uh... Let's see here. I'll just go ahead and... For the Lord's sake, who had ordained magistrate to the good of mankind, who has required uh, obedience and submission 
and whose honor is concerned in the dutiful behavior of subjects to sovereigns. Let's see here. Uh, so anyway, I'll just go, go in here. Uh, so the, for the, it's for the Lord's sake. Our submission to every ordinance is for the Lord's sake. Then we go on the end. For so is the will of God. I highlighted that. I highlighted the Lord's sake as we're going to give an account to the Lord. I highlighted for so is the will of God. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. And uh, so, again, it's the will of God. And I should have went out, when we've dealt with the will before, lots of times it's our will, but, you know, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, and we are to, again, you know, we <laughs> for, two, for two and a half years... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. So, uh, yeah, there we go. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He has a will. He has a will for us. And this is one of those wills. For so is the will of God. It's the will of God that we obey the ordinances that are out there. We're going to give an account, and it's his will. He has established government, and then in that obeying, then it goes to this by doing so. It's God's will, and we're going to give an account. It's for the Lord's sake that we do these things. But in doing so, verse number 15, it, in, uh, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of, the fo- of foolish men. It's just a Christian must endeavor in all relations to behave himself so as to put to silence the unreasonable reproaches of the most ignorant and foolish men, those who speak against religion, and religious people are ignorant and foolish. You know, and, and again, people are watching us. They see they see us go back in and pay for our coffee that we walked out with. They see us showing up and clocking in on time and clocking out on time and not robbing our employer of time. And, and, and this is where I work is a whole lot more lax than where I used to work in Kentucky. They were really stringent there. But I still try. I mean, there's no clock to actually punch in on and punch out on, but I try to be there on time. And if I walk in a few minutes late, I might stay over a few minutes late. Or at least have that, and I have, I have the consciousness about me, you know, to take an hour for lunch and not an hour and five today, an hour and ten tomorrow. To try to be back on time. And I understand things, especially the gates and the traffic, and anybody who's working on things understand that. Sometimes the gates are a little slower than other times, and sometimes the gates will get you, especially if you push things. But having that conscious, because people look at you, and, and, and they're looking for an excuse to put their tongue on you. 
to put their finger in accusation on you. I knew it. He was, he's, he's no, no better than the rest of us. They're looking. And, and by, 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 by obeying these ordinances, by uh, either the king as supreme or the governors that are set up, sent by him, then doing so may silence the ignorance and the foolish men. And again, it talks about that freedom that we have and not using that freedom improperly as free. Because again, it, there's a colon at the end of 15 and putting them to silence as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as servants of God. So it's for the Lord's sake that we submit. It's the will of God that we submit. It's because we're the servants of God and because we fear God in the next one. We see that here in a second. But, but that, that, that uh, freedom, he reminds them of the spiritual nature. Again, Mr. Henry's notes of Christian liberty. <clears throat> the Jews from Deuteronomy 17 concluded that they were bound to obey no sovereign but one taken from their own brethren and the converted Jews thought they were free from subjection by, by their relation to Christ. To prevent their mistakes, the apostle tells the Christians that they were free, but from what? Not from the duty or obedience to God's law, which requires subjection to the civil magistrate. They were free spiritually from the bondage of sin and Satan and from the ceremonial law. But they must not make their Christian, uh, take their, make their Christian liberty a cloak for covering uh, uh, or covering for any wickedness or the neglect of any duty towards God or towards their superiors, but must still remember that they were servants of God. All servants of Christ are free men, John 8:36. They are free from Satan's dominion, the law's condemnation, the wrath of God, the uneasiness of duty, and the terrors of death. The servants of Jesus Christ ought to be very careful not to abuse their Christian liberty. They must not take it to cover or cloak any wickedness against God or disobedience to superiors. Don't say because I'm a Christian. And, and I've seen preachers that way, sad to say. You know, they, they take the liberties that they have in Christ to the uh, and then they use them wrongly. Uh, uh, little things, you know, uh, I believe it would be the perfect will of God for you to give me this. You know, things like that. And it's just like, where do you come off of that? Just because, you know, or, or, or you know, get pulled over, get pulled over for speeding. And make sure that the, that the police officer knows that they're a preacher headed to a meeting or something like that. I'm a preacher. I'll pray for you if you'll get me, you know, out of this ticket or not give me a ticket. Well, that wait a minute. Did you disobey the ordinance of man? Sure you did. Instead of admitting you're wrong, paying your fine. <laughs> but I have seen people to try to get out of it, try to use their position in Christ or the position, you know, in the church to get out from underneath some of these things. And they ought not to do that. Amen. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor 
the king. The apostle concludes this discourse concerning the duties of subjects with four admirable precepts. Honor all men. A due respect is to be given to all men. The poor are, to be, uh, are not to be despised. The wicked must be honored for, uh, not for their wickedness, but for any other qualities such as wit, prudence, courage, eminency and of employment, or the hoary head. Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, and prophets and the apostles never scrupled to give due honor to bad men. Love the brotherhood. All Christians are a fraternity, united in Christ to the head, or the head, alike disposed and qualified, nearly related in the same interest, having communion one with another, and going to the same home. They should therefore love one another with a special affection. And in three, fear God with the highest reverence, duty, and submission. It is... If this be wanting, none of the other three duties can be performed as they ought. And in honor of the king, with that highest honor that is particular due the other men. So each of those are individual sentences within that same verse. And, you know, again, broken down just like Mr. Henry pointed out. Honor all men. Again, sometimes we, we how can we honor men in the wrongdoing? Again, Look for something if you can't, you know. Look for something, even if it's position. You know, I I I I fail to respect certain men that has been in the White House. I'll just put it that way. I'll just there's a lot of different people that's been in there. Some of them has been my commander in chief when I've served in the military. And they've done some things that's brought disgrace to the office of the White House and the office of the presidency in the White House. But should they have come to my presence, which there was a you know, time or two that they could have, whatever I was serving in the military, then I would have respected them and gave them due honor for their position, not necessarily for their person. <laughs> honor all men. And again, you know, we know that as Christians that God sets up kings. He sets men up, even Nebuchadnezzar, even Pharaoh. He put them up in a place, and then he put them down. And we look at the various leadership. I mean, from the from the city council and the and the local mayors all the way to the president. And some of them, you know, it's just a little hard to follow. <laughs> some of it's a little hard to honor. But we are to. Again, you know, one of the things that is, is confusing, I mean, I think it's part of the spiritual warfare, and I think it's part of the, the um, principalities and, air, uh, and powers of the air that we're fighting against, but you know, communism and socialism fought against Christianity. Which is, which if the if the leaders knew what the Christian you know what Christianity stood for and what Christianity taught in the scriptures, if we fought, if we as Christians followed this, we should be the best citizens that they have. But they want to make the state their god, and that's why they persecute us for serving the one true and living God. I understand that in that way, but again, if, if people knew 
I mean, uh, Agrippa, when Paul was talking to him, uh, King Agrippa, he, was, he had studied. He understood the religion of the Jews. He understood these things and, and Christ and, and had heard these stories. And Paul, Paul declared unto him his testimony and all that good stuff and almost persuaded us out of me. Felix... And they, they understood those things. And it was, it was amazing to me. I mean, this is kind of a little off the subject. We're talking about those communistic leaders. Mr. Putin put on a, a rally that took on the likes of a Trump rally. Big stadium filled with whatever, a lot of the patriotic stuff. He come out, he even did some of the hand gestures Mr. Trump did. You know, Whatever. And, he, and in his speech, he even used a scripture of the Bible just to make his point. It's a wrong point, but it's to make his point nonetheless. Twisting the scriptures just to make his point. But then, he, it, you know, they would persecute. In fact, the one missionary that was, that was in the Ukraine that's in Muskogee, Oklahoma, <laughs> he had been in Russia before as a missionary. And then got kicked out and put on a blacklist and so on and so forth. Because he was trying to preach the truth to the Russian people. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. So, be subject to your masters. I've had some supervisors and some bosses that were good and gentle and I've had others that were not so good and gentle but to be subject to them there's times that I didn't necessarily agree with them and I didn't think that they were leading in the right direction or the right manner but I was subject to them and it says and this again he's talking to the elect strangers here he's talking to the children of God and, and how we're supposed to live our lives. Again, it's for the Lord's sake. As, as we're going to give account to him. It's the will of God that we do these things. And here it is in the next verse. For this is thankworthy. And, and you don't, if I look that word up in English dictionary, it's not there. Thank is there and worthy is there. But thankworthy is not there. I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance in the Greek there, and it means graciousness. But then if we just look at those two words, you know, a compound word, thankworthy, it's worthy of thanks. Acting this way is worthy of thanks. Thankworthy if a man, again, I've highlighted this one, for a conscience toward God. Now, this is... As we're to give account for the Lord's sake, this is the will of God that we act like this as Christians, and for a conscience toward God, it's thankworthy. If, if for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. There are those men that we might fall under, leaders that we fall under, that do us wrong. They're froward, the Bible tells us. here. They're not... Gentle, but they're froward toward us. You know, they're just, they just seems to be out to get us and just want to want to do what they can to trip us up. 
make us suffer wrongfully. We've not done anything wrong, but it always gets a, we're always the one that they point the finger at. They're out there. But again, how we deal with that when we suffer wrongfully goes back to our conscience. If we have the prop, again, if we rehearse looking at this, if our conscience is toward God and pleasing Him, if our conscience is realizing that it's for the Lord's sake that we act like this in this scripture that, that we're going to give account to, and if, if it's God's will that we should obey these ordinances and things like that, then it, it helps us to suffer wrongfully. It helps us to, to take the things that come our way with the proper attitude, the scriptural attitude that we should be having. And again, our attitude should be toward him and not to men. Because if we get our attitude towards men's, then we're, you know, we're the ones <laughs> honking the horn, horn cussing, <laughs> raising our fist, fussing, being cut off, and a lot of other, you know, or, or even we did wrong by breaking the speed limit. The police officer, he's just trying to, 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 um, to uphold these ordinances and make people do right, and he pulls us over, and we get mad at the police officer. Who did wrong? <laughs> Instead of humbly saying, I'm guilty. I did wrong. Nothing. I mean, and treat him, the peace officer, with respect, because we're the wrongdoers. I've seen a person jump out. I mean, it was a long, long day. And when we were right there in a vehicle, um, I was in the vehicle, but he just jumps out and almost starts fussing at the police officer. It's a wonder he didn't get shot that night. But anyway, and I'm like, he, and it was, I don't know, maybe a headlight. Oh, he didn't, he didn't dim his lights fast enough. I get it. And it was one o'clock in the morning or thereabouts. But we had just driven in from Mexico. We were all tired. And, uh, but he gets out and he starts, you know, what did I do wrong? I mean, Wait a minute. Slow down. And again, having that proper conscience and realizing that our actions that we deal with men as, as, as provided here in the scriptures, our actions inevitably will be answerable to God for. And that's why I highlighted these, these phrases as I was reading down through here. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? If you did wrong and you're buffeted, then, I mean, you deserve it. But when we're we're buffeted wrongfully. Well, that forward, that forward boss, that forward master, has uh, has caused us to suffer for things that we didn't deserve. That's when it's acceptable to God. We see that. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. There's the key. Taking it patiently, taking suffering impatiently. And I know some fellas, they're just not. 
They're just not turned that way. But there's the grace of God on our lives to be able to be able to do that. Again, Christ being our example, we'll see that here again. But but when ye do well, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Going back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The will of God and acceptable to God. Suffering. And we enter in, and Peter is going to deal later on much about the suffering and entering in with the sufferings of Christ. I don't understand it all, but it's in there. Romans chapter 8 talks about the sufferings of Christ. And lots of times it's just simply for being a Christian. We've not done anything wrong. But it says if we take it patiently, then that's acceptable to God. And I highlight it acceptable to God. So it's the will of God. It's for His sake. It's with a conscience toward God. And it's acceptable to God if we do, if we accept wrongdoing toward us, suffering for wrong, suffering for right doing, basically, <clears throat> patiently. <clears throat> and he gives Christ as an example, verse 21. For even hereunto ye were ye called. So we're called to do this. We're called to suffer. For not doing anything wrong. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was a guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who bare his own self, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Christ is our example. He was as a sheep led to the slaughter. He didn't, he didn't, in fact, that confused Pilate. Pilate wondered why he didn't speak up for himself. And in, in the examination, Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Pilate was even warned by his wife because of the dream she had. (laughs) And he went out and said, I find no fault in him. But he, he went as a sheep. And he suffered wrongfully. And we will suffer wrongfully as the children of God. We will. Many of you probably have. I have. But again, our It goes back, and again, just in this passage of Scripture, I think the key is these these phrases, or these, yeah, I guess phrases, these words, for the Lord's sake, as we would give account, that word sake, it's the will of God, it is uh, having a proper conscience toward God, and that's who our conscience should be toward, and then the fact that it is acceptable with God. All of these things and how we, how we enter into to these sufferings and how we enter into these wrongdoings, uh, not wrongdoings, wrong accusations and wrong uh, treatments, there we go, just because we're doing right and strive to do right, just because we are a Christian and call ourselves a follower of, of God in Christ, then... 
we need to look to Christ for an example. So I've got, oh, I understand my, this not from tonight's notes, but somewhere along the way, I, I, I highlighted ye, we were called, or I put a little star there, but I circled example, and then I drew, a, I drew a, an arrow to who, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So the example of Christ would be us not spouting off at the mouth when we were being done wrong. And you, everybody's like examining about, and you know, the Holy Spirit saying, "Yeah, remember last week when <laughs> you were quick to." And then sometimes, you know, and Lisa looks over at me, <laughs> especially in the car. Come on now! And she'll look over at me. you how to drive. <laughs> now, would I say that out to them? No. But there again, am I an example to her how that we ought to be dealing with this? Amen. If I had kids in the car, would I have been an example to them? Woo. How we ought to be, you know, <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know. And we just maybe have talked and sang some some songs to the kids in the car, and somebody, and and then where did that come from? But then even worse, you know. I mean, that's just that's just the minor stuff. When actually we are revived, we are um, persecuted. That's a good word, and we do suffer for the for the sake of Christ. So. He was an example with how we should respond with our mouths. And then who, when he reviled, I've got an arrow there, reviled not again. I'm going to get even with you. That ain't what the Bible says we ought to be doing. Wasn't was, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You know, we're ready to to go in and get the 12 gauge. You just wait. I'm going to get you. There's a... <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know a preacher's wife like that. She gets ahead. That's just... Um, but, that's, again, not the example that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be looking at the Christ example. There's a, and I've said it before, I think I've told it in here, uh, a deacon, that his wife said he just had a short temper and he got mad at his neighbor and God killed him. God had dealt with him about his temper before, according to the widow, my Sunday school teacher. God had dealt with him about his quick temper in the past. But something his neighbor did, and it was just frivolous, something about like, throwing the grass clippings over on some something to that minor. And he just, his blood pressure went up and he died. God said, okay. <laughs> and this is her testimony. Said, yeah, Andy would have been alive if he hadn't lost his temper. 
He hadn't dealt with his temper. He reviled not again. Just take it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not as they did unto you. People didn't understand me. My neighbor back in Kentucky, the property line that goes down through there, when we mowed, I personally would mow about, well, I would mow, I would see the distance that it was throwing the grass. And I would go down my property line with him and blow the grass inward to my yard until I got enough distance to where when I turned around to blow them toward his yard, it would land in my yard only. But he didn't do that. His wind rose <laughs> was down my, in my yard for several you know, feet across my property line. <clears throat> did, did I get mad? Did I tur- get on my mower and go blow his wind rose grass back over in his yard? No. I just kept doing what I would have them do unto me. Amen. Did they ever do that unto me? No. He still blowed his grass, or the people that he hired blowed his grass over. But I would blow my grass into my yard and then turn around and blow my grass into my yard. I never blow my grass in his yard. Dandelions, that's another story. Because <laughs> they're going to go blow. But that's what I would have them do. But I, I know people that I get mad about that. You rake it up, you know, put it, bag it up and just in the middle of the night go dump this bag of leaves or grass clippings over in a big pile in their yard. Why? What example does that set? So not only with our mouth, but reviling not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Being dead to sin, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Because... His example, we should live under righteousness. By his example, and that righteousness is with our lives, that righteousness is with our lips, his example. Help us, help us, help us. And again, what, again, just the culmination of it all, it goes back to our mindset, our conscience toward God. If we will, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, and if we will walk in the Spirit, He will remind us, He will help our conscience be toward God, our actions be toward God, knowing that doing these things is for the Lord's sake, doing these things is the will of God, doing these things is acceptable unto God, but it all starts with our conscious and when we walk out those doors tonight and we get up in the morning and we go out into society our walk with a consciousness toward God knowing that people's looking at us and knowing that we will suffer sometimes wrongfully and when we do doing it properly with our lips and with our actions our lives I think that's the culmination of it all is how is reminding that that God is 
looking. God is wanting us to follow Christ's example. And it all starts with how we look at these things in our conscience. And that's short and sweet tonight, a little out of out where we're at. We're going to look into 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 3 next time. And that likewise, be in subjection to your own husbands. All that good stuff. <coughs> There's when I got my little thing here. So we're going to be, be there next time. Yeah, reasonable service. We'll talk about our reasonable service next time around. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's see. Next Sunday is first Sunday. We got and we got to figure out between now and whenever we're going to do our third Sunday. Uh, well, that'd be Easter Sunday. Okay, we're good. So we still have our third Sunday. I'm just trying to get it all straightened up. So we'll still have our, our normal conference on Easter Sunday night. Um, next Sunday night, Lord willing, we'll have the Lord's table. So between now and then, uh, prepare our hearts uh, for that. Uh, examine ourselves. Pray. Um, get the, the mindset of worship in, in that. Uh, that when we come in, that we have examined ourselves and that we will come in with the mindset of that. And uh, I don't know that we will bring any thoughts before that or not, but we will definitely do that. Or we might just talk about that again, remind ourselves and have that next Sunday night and just be done. I don't know again. We'll pray the Lord will guide and direct in that. Pray again for the meeting. I've been praying and I keep myself, keep finding myself wondering about the preachers that'll be here and trying to ask God and again in my in my own in my own self I'm already making notes and who's going to be here and you know and I said I I have to back away from that a little bit but just pray that God will guide me in that uh, who to preach and when to preach them uh, not that it should mean anything. But it's a habit among our good, fine, independent Baptists. Let me turn this off.